The Mighty Whites podcast is recorded at the Medicine Room Studios. For more information, visit medicineroomstudios.com. Hi, and welcome to episode 23 of the Mighty Whites podcast. We're not sure if there'll be anything for the going after it, so probably the penultimate episode of the season. Uh, just two of us again. Connie was meant to be here, but he's currently stuck in traffic just outside Durham. So it's uh, just me and in Portland, KC. Good morning. Yeah, um, it hasn't been great again. <laughs> no, no, it hasn't. Just <laughs> when you're celebrating a 2 1 win in a terrible game over Barnsley, that's as good as it gets. It's. Uh, this season is really dragging on now. Yeah, it's got to the stage where I, mean, I dare say we'll, we may as well do the games first because we'll just burn straight. We'll burn through them fairly quick. You would have thought two-one uh, win over Barnsley. Uh, Pierce Nalioski we ours. Paddy O'Connor on goal. Uh, it was shite game. Leeds were shit. Barnsley were also shit, but we won, so it was all right. Great opening goal though from El Hijo de Leon Hart. Yes, I do. <laughs> Look at that one. Um, yeah, great to see him pushing forward and and taking a shot on like that because you know this season we, we, you know it's not something you see Berardi doing all that often. And I've heard from you and seen some of the highlights that he does like to get forward when he's been playing in the under twenty threes. It's nice that he's had a bit of confidence in him to push forward and get himself a goal. Not sure if he still has that confidence, but I'm sure we'll get onto that. Yeah, we might we might come to that. He, uh, I thought he was best player on pitch in this game, full stop, to be honest. I thought it was really good. Uh, not Matthew Pennington right back. By the way, that shows, I know that it's for square balls bit, but that shows what fraudsters who scored are, because he was his man at match on who scored. Huh. He got in the team of the okay. week on who scored. Okay. Right, now in the second half, he played pretty, he played pretty well, but in the first half, he missed about four long balls that got it straight at him. And just give ball away constantly. And him and Alioski were both at fault for our goal. Uh, they kind of pissed about out on right inside the yeah, and gave ball away. Cross came in, O'Connor slices it in after Janssen misses it. It one of them, it was a bit awkward for Janssen and O'Connor slicing it in like that. That just happens. A centre-back's going to do one of them. Yeah, Luciano would have got to that header. That was low enough for him. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, but he would have also headed it in O'Connor's position as well. True. In fact, he'd have, he'd have headed Tom Pierce's shot. <laughs> Just uh, Klinsman it into the bottom corner. Yeah. Uh, so that was 1-1 one, one at half-time. I believe uh, Phil Hay described it in his half-time report as dross. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it didn't sound any better than that. It was, it was not a great game to listen to. These... Especially at this point of the season when we are at best playing to try and finish 12th and failing. These are really difficult games to wake up at 7 in the morning for. Yeah. Uh, but start second half, we got the goal that proved to be winner. Really good ball over top outside at foot by Tom Pierce. Uh, Roof running in behind down left, like sort of left-hand channel. Uh, Roof had been completely anonymous all game, but he did really well. He got to it, beat his man, drove into box. Really good ball across, and Alioski couldn't miss. Which, come to think of it, we didn't mention it, but he, he had a nearly couldn't miss it after about three minutes and missed it. Uh, 
But it were a tapping back post. I really, I kind of enjoyed Alioski's performance in this because he wasn't at his best anywhere near, but he worked his fucking bollocks off. Just like, it, he knew it wasn't going well, so he just made up for it with effort. Like, I think he ended up putting in something like eight tackles, which was twice, like, twice as many as anyone else on the pitch. Successful yeah. tackles. He really worked his ass off and he ended up getting a goal for it. When they took him off after about 70 minutes and he looked absolutely gone. He, uh, I think one of the things he's suffered from a bit this season is a, a, a lack of competition for that spot because I think there have been periods when he probably should have been dropped and if we'd have had him fit, we'd have had someone like Dallas coming in or just, some, just someone else. But, you know, when when the, next, the nearest competition to you really is Hadi Sacco, you know, it's a no-brainer putting in Alioskin. I think he along with a lot of players in these last couple of months, went through a period where if we, we needed taking out for one or two games just to just to recharge him or something, just give him a bit of a break. But, you know, if you... I'm just remembering back to, I think it was December and January when he, he went through quite a good spell of picking up a few goals. and remembering in particular the, the Middlesbrough game at home. Um, you know, he has showed what he can do and... I think if he has a bit of competition for that position next season, I think he could be a very good player for us. Yeah, I still... I mean, he, obviously I went into this season saying that I thought that he, he was the one I really fancied to hit the ground running and he hasn't quite done that. But I do still think there's a player in there. Uh, you mentioned Dallas, so I'll do it now. That's It sounds like his season's done. He's got a hamstring problem. No holiday for him. No, no trips away. But we'll, uh, we'll come to that <laughs> and... I'm not sure how long. I might end up on a rant. <laughs> I really don't know. <laughs> uh, the the other good performance in this Barnsley game was uh, Peacock Fowl made a couple of really good serves. He had one in first half where Hamill crossed it and Janssen just left it, even though he should, it was his ball to clear. And he had to dive across and save it. And he made a really, really like top quality save from uh, that Mahoney right at the end of first half where he just mm. waltzed through, clean through, and none of the defenders got near him. And he had pretty much no right to make the save, and he did. Was this the one when Saez had left his man? Yeah, when, he gave, it, when he gave him an absolute fucking bollocking. Yeah, it, by the sounds of things, it wasn't a great day for Saez. It wasn't, but it wasn't actually any worse than a lot of them. It, it's just people noticed it because of the stuff we'll come on to in a sec. Uh the other thing is, actually, I haven't seen this back on TV. I've only seen it from in the ground. You will have seen it. Uh, did it show Adam Hamill getting booked for a dive with not long left? Um, actually, no, that's one of the things I haven't seen. Uh, did it not put it in the, even like the extended highlights? No. Oh, that's a shame because I, was, I did not have a good view because it was obviously in front of South Stand and I was in cop, but it didn't look like a dive <laughs> to me. Yeah. I, t- I tend to watch my I watch the extended highlights on, on Alien TV. So unless I just completely miss it, it, it's the sort of thing they tend to take out of those packages. Ah, right. But uh, they could have easily got some. Like those Peacock Vowel says that I've mentioned, that penalty that could have been. McBurney had a goal disallowed for offside, which looked as if it was, in fairness. And then mm. Kiefer Moore's miss from like two yards. I mean, Hamill put it across. Peacock Vowel does get a touch on the cross to just make it awkward for him. But he's still a decent striker would have reacted and scored. Yeah. It's, it's another game we're fishing off now. Where How many times since he came into the team have we said that Bailey Peacock-Farrell's had made some big saves and had a good game? Yeah, he's a 
we the only link we've had really is Kieran Westwood, isn't it? For goalkeepers. Yeah. I still if yeah. it, if it was if it's Kieran Westwood, as much as I don't like Lonergan, I'd rather just keep Lonergan on bench and play Peacock Farrell. Yeah, I I think at this point we're clearly seeing someone who he looks perfectly fine playing this. I I would like to see him play in front of a strong back four. In front of you want him to I play holding mid. Honestly, yeah, I, I, <laughs> he could do it. You just see in his body. You can just see uh, in the way he dictates a game. Um, yeah, apologies. Uh, playing behind a strong back four, you know, of players that are in form and capable as well. I think he's been unlucky. I think he's only had the one clean sheet so far, which is the Brentford game, I believe. And I think he's been unlucky to only have that one. Has he, has he had any? I thought we had one, but I could be wrong. I'm really not sure, and uh, I'm not really in a position to Google and check that, but I don't think he's had one yet. Uh, well, either way, he's been... Uh, I think he's been unlucky with some of the situations he's ended up in through poor defending. Yeah, but, you know, if you're going to be in goal for Leeds, you just kind of have to get used to... Oh, no, we did. We beat Brentford 1-0. Oh, I, yeah, I'm but... just misremembering stuff, that's fine. Yeah, I believe he was. Uh... Oh no, hang on. It's saying v... no. Sorry, it says Viedval was in goal then. All ah, right, cool. My, my, my bad. Right. Well, uh, for that one, uh, you got nothing because you had one apiece. I had one nil, so two points. Connie had two one leads, so he gets five points. Uh, but there were two main things to come out of that game afterwards. Uh, based off what you really, because you only heard it on radio and then had to go back and watch highlights due to work. It would have been more a thing to ask Connie. But the McBurney and Yeardom both played. Yeardom didn't look... He didn't, from that game, look any better than what we've got. I I, I just tend to feel you, you look at our defence at the moment and they, they need some strong players in there. And I, I kind of feel it's it's similar to Jason Pearce. I don't, I don't know why we'd be looking at teams who have been struggling at the bottom of the table to sign them. A yeah. defender, you know, I'm not. I'm not saying he's not a good player, but I, that's for me is not where we should be looking. Right, I must admit, I do fancy a sign. I do want us to sign McBurney. Um, even though he, got, even though we stuck out on the left wing for this game, he did look by far their most likely, and he's been scoring goals consistently in a poor side. Yeah, I, that that's fair enough. Like he's. Yeah, he has done well. I think coming into that game, he'd got something like 10 in 12 or he'd come in with a fairly good record anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, not that you can put too much stock in it, but if his Twitter likes are anything to go off, he quite fancies it too. Yeah. He I was mean, liking every all the Leeds things and liking Phil Hayes' tweets about stuff. And <laughs> Yeah, he's clearly up for a move here. Um, you know, he's a local lad. Clearly, I think we've seen some of the pictures from, was it Tyler Denton's dad as well, where he'd been in the youth team. Um, he's not going to be a priority at Swansea when he goes back there. You know, They're always going to be looking to try and bring someone else in. I think it might do him good to drop down to the championship for a couple of years, stay with one team, get regular football. Um, and if, he, if we can take him in, I'd... I'd be pretty happy to give him a chance anyway. You look at the options we've got. Quite why we decided to... We've been having Ekuban, Grot, and Lasaga on the bench when you're just looking going, right, which one of those is actually going to change anything in a game is, is beyond me. 
I'd much rather have someone like McBurney there where between him and Roof and, you know, maybe one more striker there where they look like they're actually going to try and create something and try and do something. And, you know, given his record with Barnsley so far, he looks like he could do that more than the, the, those three that have been on the bench. Uh, he could certainly do more than them three, but you might be able to as well. True. Uh, moving on, we uh, well, we got beat 2-1 at Norwich. This, that Barnsley game was pretty shit. This Norwich game made the Barnsley match look like Viduka for Liverpool 3. <laughs> this was two really shit teams playing in Wes Houlihan's testimonial. And that's all this was. Like, both teams just constantly giving the ball away for 35 minutes until Calvin Phillips suddenly scored an absolute belter. It was a brilliant assist by Vieira as well. Yeah, world, world class. No one could have seen that pass. He must have amazing vision. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Vieira thinking, I've got this. Shit. I don't got this. Um, <laughs> that was a really nice finish from Phillips. Um, I've got, you've got to give him credit for that. Just absolutely making the best out of Vieira's massive slice. Yeah, it was but, yeah, the, belting goal. But, yeah, outside of that, for us anyway, it was just it was a terrible game to listen to. You know, it's bad when uh, BBC Radio Leeds are, write, are reading out uh, jokes that, that have been sent into them on Twitter and text because the, the game was awful. You know, just listening to it, there was very little going, you know, going for it in any way. There was no quality. Um, if you And it was very interesting listening to Noel Whelan after after the game because I think Heckingbottom even said to the, had said to the players before you know we know it's going to be a testimonial game for them they're not you know their focus isn't going to be on winning this game and clearly the players heard testimonial game feet up boys you know well it's that Barnsley accent mate <laughs> <laughs> yeah unfortunately it doesn't seem like he was able to inspire them to kick on past that and as Leeds have done so often, we dropped ourselves to, well, actually, I don't know, given how we've been playing, if we dropped our standards, but we couldn't, we certainly couldn't raise them above what Norwich were doing. No, as standards were shy all game, I would say we were slightly better first half than second, but there was not much in it. Uh, they got that really fluky equaliser on stroke of half time, Hulan hits it, giant deflection off Janssen that loops and swirls and goes in off both posts. Uh, the only actual annoying bit in it is that Vieira were really shit to give ball away and build up. Because he had like five players around him, but none of them actually putting any pressure on him. Yeah. And if you've got five players near you and no one putting pressure on you, you must have a couple of passes. But he just didn't. He just, he just, he just seemed to be messing around with it and then got caught and they pushed forward with no great pace either. They just kind of strode forward and yeah, Houlihan with the goal. I'm sure that's how he wants to be remembered. Yeah. It's a big deflected goal. Yeah, and then in second half, Josh Murphy got winner, who is a decent player in fairness. Uh, but Leeds just stood off. No one trapped runner from midfield. It was the first point-costing error. Peacock Fowler really should have saved it. I mean, it, it, it hit him on chest on way in. He'd, he'd have to get there. But, you know, I don't, I'm not going to get annoyed at him. It's going to happen once every so often. I thought that some of Heckingbottom's decisions for this match were a bit weird. Like, I thought that bringing Cooper back in for O'Connor was incredibly harsh on Poddy O'Connor. Do you think that's just a case of he hasn't got to see much of Liam Cooper, so he wants to do 
try and get him into this game and the last game. I think it must be, because I can't think of any other reason to do it. Yeah, like you say, I mean, uh, you could probably say that O'Connor's, or uh, the defence hasn't been great when O'Connor's been there, but it's not been great since, you know, December. No. So, um, uh, he put Saez back in the starting lineup when I thought he'd drop him to the bench after his strop. We didn't actually mention his strop after a Barnsley game, did we? Uh, no, he, he had a nice little, uh, nice little hissy fit that went on for about five minutes. Yeah, it was... I mean, don't get me wrong, it was really pathetic and he shouldn't have done it. It was a bit of a weird one where the people, some people made way too much of it. Oh, fucking sell him, he's a disgrace. Which I think is slight overkill. <laughs> I just I just thought it was quite interesting listening to it because you kind of got this Noel Whelan's update on it after a couple of minutes where I, when you see a player kicking a, a water bottle as they're coming off, there's part of you thinks, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. And then he sat down and he kind of, he took his shin pads off and he threw them down. And it was more just the length of it that was really, he was just like, all right, we get it. You're not happy. Just can't. And at one point they went, Liam Cooper's gone to sit next to him to calm him down. Like, what? Just shit. All right, you've played crap. That's fine. Move on. <laughs> it's done. Yeah. You really should attract that man. But apart from that, we're fine. <laughs> And for me, the weirdest decision, you kind of alluded to it earlier. Ryan Edmondson travels down. Admittedly, he was only travelling down because he was suspended from under-18s because he'd have played in... Because they, they had such a big game, he would have played. I'm really glad I read that because when I first saw the team, and again, there's being seven in the morning, I was like, have we made him miss the playoff game to not play in our, to, not, <laughs> not play in our first team? But yeah, once I saw he, he was suspended, I was like, all right, fair enough. Yeah, but once you've got him to travel down... I cannot see any reason to have Lasoga, Grot and Ekuban on the bench and Edmonton starting the stand. When, like, Grot and Ekuban are both, well, shite, really. There's no way around it. <laughs> like, oh, Jack, say what you really mean. And Lasoga is, by this stage, at the laziest he's ever been and not going to be here next season. I cannot get the logic of not giving Edmondson the experience of coming on for 20 minutes at the end. I mean, it's a yeah, game that doesn't matter. If he comes on, I think I think it was a... It'll have probably been Gareth Jones that said it. on the Because I listened to a bit of the build-up on my way into the office. And they said... Because uh, I did manage to find a stream, so I did get to see the game. But, um, and it was him going, if w- worst comes to worst, he comes on and he's absolutely shy. Is that going to be any worse? And he'll at least get the benefit of the doubt due to being a 16-year-old kid. Like, out of all our strikers on the bench, who's in the best vein of form? Tim by an absolute country mile. Yeah. I, d- I don't understand, like, you've got this kid who is coming from the under-18s, he's helped his team win their division on the last day, he's been scoring goals since he arrived. No, no, no. Let's look at Grot and Ekuban again. Just just make sure they're really shite. And I know it's nowhere near the same level, but it's not like he hasn't got any experience of playing against blokes in senior football. He played for oh, York. Exactly. He played for York. And to be fair, there's not going to be met, you know, in terms of coming on and there being absolutely no pressure, this is perfect. We're playing terribly. Norwich don't really give a shit. Just get him on, throw him on for 20 minutes and... <laughs> If, if he doesn't do anything, all right, fine. He, you know, he's going to go back to the under-18s and keep playing for them. But Jesus Christ, like, what the hell are Ekuban and Grot going to do? 
No. Oh, we've pumped a long ball wide. Rot's not won the header. <laughs> I suppose uh, if he did come in and do nothing, Heckingbottom might fucking sack him, seeing as he decided to give single out Tom Pierce as being shite when, as far as I could tell, I mean, he didn't have a good game. He, he was just okay in a poor side. But sing, the way he singled him out, and I think he did it twice, he did it once. Just mentioning it. And then he got asked a question about someone else and he circled it round to Tom Pierce. It was full-on shades of Colin Wanker and Tom Lees. I, I, I'm I, not going to lie, I haven't heard. I haven't actually heard what Heckin' Bottoms. I've seen all the tweets surrounding it and Phil it was, Hay reporting on it. Yeah, but. it was the, you know, today has been a real lesson for Tom Pierce. Why? I didn't think he got taught a lesson at all. He, that was nowhere <laughs> near where we... And I, I thought, oh, am I going mental? So I went, because I gave him like a 6 out of 10 in player ratings for, for it all together. As did Phil Hay, I think Baron Cross on Leeds Live gave him 5. Those were the only ones I saw. But it's not like anyone's ratings said, oh, he, he really struggled today. And I thought, well, what, what's he seen? And the other thing was that he said he identified it like quite early on. You know, they were getting at him and stuff. And he didn't change anything to protect the fullback. That was the thing that really annoyed me is the fact that he's identified this issue and then gone, should I change this? Ah, just leave it, it'll be fine. It'll, that'll learn him. <laughs> no, no, that's not how this works. Yeah. If you identify, it, no matter how close we are to our nice little postseason holiday, just just tell Alioski to go protect him a little bit. Just get him on the left. Tell him to play a bit deeper. But no, just, just leave him. Well, it's doubly annoying seeing as we still haven't given him a new contract. Uh, so we're giving him a bollocking and giving him reason to be pissed off at his manager when his contract's up at the end of the season, this Tom Pierce. It seems very strange to me that it's got to this point. Like You'd have thought, especially for the, the, the time now he has been on the bench in the first team or has been playing at left-back. You'd have thought at least, right, let's, let's give him a one-year deal and then we'll sort out a new contract in the summer. Yeah, it was a... Just, just something like that to tie us over. Uh, well, I don't know how they've let it get to this stage of the season without offering him something anyway. But do, do you think it'll be all right? Do you think we'll sort it? I think so, yeah. I assume, I assume there's someone there with their head screwed on who'll go, listen, lads, you've got to give this this guy a contract. I'm going to show up Carlos in the under-23s go, just, just give him a deal. Yeah. Let's not piss around with this. Yeah, the... Uh, it's the... either this or Lawrence DeBock. <sighs> You know what? I'd actually managed to successfully forget about Lawrence DeBock until you mentioned his name. <laughs> I was about to ask how uh, what Pierce's performance was like on a scale of DeBock to 10. Uh, that You see, if he'd have singled out Pierce for criticism and he'd had a DeBock game... That's I'd, fine. Like I'm all for that. I'd be fine. I don't mind him singling out even a youngster if they've had a real shocker. But when they've just not been as good as the previous couple of games, when the whole team was worse... It just seems... It, yeah, it's a, it's a game we lost, and clearly there's not many players who've come out of it playing well, but do you really need to pick on, or is it the 19, 20-year-old lad? Yeah. 19-year-old like, lad with about six senior appearances. Yeah. Yeah, well... Where's uh, Tom Lee's when you need him? <laughs> Wednesday. <laughs> uh, well, I had a 2-0 loss, so I got two points. Connie had a one-all draw, so he gets nothing, and you had two on Norwich. Get in. So you get five, which leaves us after 50 games with one to go. Uh, Connie, 59 points. You, 64. Me, 67. 
It's all it's all coming down to that uh, that QPR game. Well, it's more coming down to the uh, and <laughs> all the preseason predictions, isn't it? Really? Are we uh, are we going to take predictions on the the two fixtures after after our final game of the season? Uh, no, we're not. But speaking of, <laughs> uh, this can be the news segment. I really like. I'm not going to be one of them that goes off pretending that I know shitloads about this situation because I don't. I'm not. I'm no expert in it by any by any stretch. But even if you have a passing knowledge of the news, you know there is some bad stuff happening in Burma. And then Leeds go, right, lads, post-season, two friendlies in Myanmar. We're playing MNL All-Stars in Yangon in 9th of May, which is only three days after the last game of the season. It's a 13-hour flight. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're playing Myanmar's national team on the 11th. So, like, three days after that, we're playing again. Both are on LUTV for anyone that wants to watch them. I doubt I will, to be honest. Not a principal thing. I just don't care. <laughs> About the games, no, if, and Leeds United don't care about the games either. Uh, I think if I'm if there's some sort of radio stream, I might listen to it if if I'm about. But like you say, it's not so going out of the way to to get involved in it anyway. Yeah, the the there's a few things with it. like for the certain bits of Myanmar are far worse than the others. Like the areas Leeds are in are not in the areas the Foreign Office says do not go, but. Even so, I, I quite liked the way Phil Hay put it. He put Leeds would be the first English club to play there in eighty, year, in 80 years. There is a reason why. Yeah, so we won't bother getting into all the detail, but I did note down some uh, key numbers, and I would encourage everyone to Google stuff and to read some of even the most recent news stories. Uh, for the from a football point of view, David Putton wrote a good column that went up in YP. Phil Hay's written some good stuff. Uh, Sean Doctor T wrote a good article on it as well on his blog. Uh, some really good stuff with more detail on the Guardian and stuff. It's all over. It don't take much finding, but just like a few numbers, uh, six hundred fifty-five thousand Rohingya Muslims have been forced to flee into Bangladesh. The force, forces have killed an unknown number of people in that, and have been heavily involved in the rape and torture of women and young girls. Uh, they've been laying landmines in the area. They've burned hundreds of villages, so they have nothing to come back to when they do ever if they ever do get repatriated. Uh, there's 30,000 other people of various minority groups that have also been displayed. I don't, I, those I don't really know what about. I believe some of them are in Thailand now. But that unknown number killed. I thought, oh, I'll have a Google and see what sort of number they are. In the first month of this military crackdown, which was August to September 2017, they killed more than 6,700 Rohingya Muslims, including at least 730 children under the age of five. That... If that comes up, that's from the like the first page of Google. Who the fuck reads that and thinks, yeah, this is a good postseason tour, lads? I believe his name is Adria Radrazani. Uh, yeah, him and Angus Kinnear seem to be really fucking stupid right now. They, they, they also reckon all those numbers are underestimations because they don't actually have great access. That's just that they know of. Like, like seven out of ten of them were shot, but others have been beaten to death and burned alive by being locked in their homes. Uh, but, like, Myanmar's government says, no, there's been about 400 deaths total. It's just, it's mm. fucking disgraceful. The UN High Commissioner for Human Rights said it is a, quote, textbook example of ethnic cleansing. And the conduct of these security forces accounts to crimes against humanity. 
anyone who hasn't run away to Bangladesh, the system, even outside of all the murder, is kind of similar to apartheid South Africa, where they have no rights to nationality, movement, no rights to healthcare, no rights to education, no rights to freedom of religion, nothing. Uh, there's just, there's so many things about this, I'm trying to not get all ranty, but it's probably going to happen. Like, it's the complicit nature of the people away. Like, this is sort of the military arm of them that still is sort of in charge, even though they're not in charge anymore. Like, because Aung San Suu Kyi's uh, Democratic Party won their first elections a few years ago after she got away from house arrest. But she's, um, mm. like, her government is just basically burying their heads in sand and saying, now nah, this isn't happening. Well, if they're saying, now nah, this isn't happening, then they're complicit. Like, they, there was a couple of journalists that went over to try and report on what happens. And because they had maps, they charged them under the Official Secrets Act. Now, they had a story about 10 Rohingya men being massacred on 2nd of September. The Myanmar authorities took them in and arrested them, and they're still in jail now awaiting a court date because they didn't dismiss the case. Now, it's one of the only massacres that the Myanmar like, military has admitted to happening. They have put the people that did it in jail for 10 years. The people that did it for killing these 10 people. The journalists that wrote that story, that they've already admitted is true, are still in jail and looking at 14 years for writing about it. The people in Myanmar Army have 10 courts, 10 counts of murder and torture, got 10 years. Someone wrote about it and they're getting 14. It's a fucking disgrace. Like, the, the UN sends a rapporteur to go specifically to report on human rights in Myanmar. And all they did were restrict her access and then bar her from the country until her term in that role is over. It's an absolute disgrace that we're going there. Now, to be fair in the other direction, like the thing that like John, uh, the MP John Mann said, where he went, Leeds are... I'm trying to find the exact quote because I had it somewhere. Uh, yeah, Leeds are assisting a brutal regime. Now, that's a stretch. You know, we're not actually propping up a regime. What we're doing is something really fucking stupid. I just... I've, I can't believe that it's been this long and they haven't cancelled it. I, I cannot understand... I mean, they're back down on the badge in... What, 12 hours? I don't think it was even that long. Yeah, they're back down about that that quickly. And they're not backing down over this. That in terms of a PR disaster... I mean, Casey, you've got a PR degree. If you make a decision that makes the company you represent, when you Google their name, the first things that come up are ethnic cleansing. Do you think you've done a good job in PR? Not, not really, no. And, and like you say, it's the fact that I, I had one of the, one of the families I, I stayed with over here last year, the, the father of the family, he's in no way into, into football, and he sent me a link to the article just just like you know is this actually happening because he knew i supported leeds and that has popped up on american sports websites it's you and if you just google leeds united you know myanmar you will see art news articles from countries around the world about it that are 
uh, if not just implying how much of a bad idea it is, then outright stating. You know, it's. I, I think the worst. I think not the worst part, obviously, because the worst part is just the the fact that this was an idea that they are continuing ahead with. But there is part of me just thinking, right, the cynical side of me. Let let's take out, you know, what's going on there and just go, okay. What is the you know what are the club wanting to gain from this? Is it you know to establish some sort of support in, you know, in the Far East or something? Or is is it purely financial? And if you think it's financial, you go, okay, right. I can kind of get my head around that there is a country that there are going to be very few large sports teams that are ever going to visit there. So they're probably going to throw some money around to get someone to come there. And we've thought, we need the money, we're going to take it. And then you read that we're not getting paid for this. Yeah. I, so I think the line that I, I did put a thing about it that just said, if you're going to drag the name of our club through the shit, can you at least make us some fucking money? <laughs> is the line I've got written yeah. down here. Is, in fact, I'm just because I'm just looking at uh, Radrazani's statement now, and it's just the first line of a paragraph. The club is not receiving any fee to play. It's like, uh, well. Yeah, Leeds United might not be, but um, seeing as he goes for TV rights and stuff like that, he's the, like Angus Kinnear admitted, I think, that it's it's got a lot of benefits for Acer, and I bet it does for 11 sports as well. Mm. I mean, there, there can still be good things to come out of this. Like, if they don't piss about. Like, I mean, the other thing Angus Kinnear said before I forget is that he said, uh, Myanmar's the fastest growing economy in Southeast Asia and we hope to make some fans to support our journey back to the Premier League in the, current year, in the coming years. From a business sense, I don't really see what kind of difference that's going to make in a country where minimum wage is like $2.80 a day. And they've recently upped it, they've recently voted to up it to like $3.60 a day. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the the one the one point people had on Twitter that I can give them is when they were saying and Radizani did say it's about people instead. Like it is true that mo- the major- that a lot of the people who live in Myanmar don't know what's going on because, like for instance, that uh, that Myanmar Times, which you'll have probably seen linked to on Twitter a couple of times in the last few days, because they yeah. do an English version as well. Well, like, that's owned by a guy whose dad was Brigadier General in the military junta. Uh, but, like, when their paper's special investigations editor wanted to run a story about how some Myanmar forces were raping Rohingya women in, in Rankine State, they sacked her and didn't publish the story, and they've sacked, like, a dozen foreign editorial staff over the coverage of this. But... People being close to the military is how they get ahead, and that brings us to the guy who's sponsoring it. Because it's sponsored by that... I don't know if it's IA or AYA Bank, but the guy that owns that is like a ridiculous billionaire called Zorzor. And he made his fortune by being mates with the military junta, and they basically gave him all the contracts and licences to build the new capital city, and he imports all the cars as well as all the fuel. So he's got everything. And this bank that he got, I actually managed to find some quotes from him about how he got his banking license. It was before it got handed over to this sort of democratically elected government. 
He said the way that he got the bank lines was he and three other tycoons who the military liked were just summoned to a meeting and they just gave him the licenses. And he said, quote, maybe they trust me. I don't know why they gave me a license. Which sounds a bit fucking bollocks, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> so the problem is you can't just say, oh, it's about the people when it's being sponsored by a guy who's linked to the military when the military is doing this. Like he's basically described as a regime crew is blacklisted on the from the US stock market and everything by the Treasury. Same with Singapore because of the US action. The one thing to say is the National League for Democracy, that's the actual name, I've got it here, of the party, says that basically it's really damning with faint praise. They say that of all the people associated with the military who have made a shitload of money out of it, he's about the cleanest one. He's the only one that has yeah. actually done some good stuff. Like he has given some land back to the public and he has paid for some stuff and he has apparently done some good work as president of the Myanmar Football Federation. But it's still just the sheer level of fucking stupidity to do this and go, oh no, we, we're going to do this and we're not going to even really acknowledge it properly when there's a backlash. Yeah. Um, there's very little in the in Radrazani's statement about the activities that are going on outside of uh, I believe the tour will have a positive impact on the local community in parts of the country we intend to visit this was a carefully considered decision and we knew it would be controversial but this is about people not governments and and that's about as close as the statement gets to acknowledging any of the yeah. things that are going on over there. And I, I think that tells you a lot when the club are instantly admitting, yes, we know this is controversial. Yeah. Like, mm. It's like that thing, like, I'm not saying either that there isn't some validity to that. Like, you know, as I say, the people are not real. The people have the problem. Like, I know a few people who've been traveling through Southeast Asia and a few of them went to Myanmar and they all said, because they went to the bits that aren't where all of this stuff's happening, they all said the people there are lovely and really welcoming and really friendly. And I'm sure that them getting the chance to see a big club play football in their country is a big deal. I know that uh, when I was looking at stuff, the Myanmar Football Federation's Facebook page has a big banner at the top with a Leeds United badge on it. I don't know what it says because I don't even know what their language is called. But And you said you'd done research. I know, right? Even if you boil it, even if you get rid of all of the, you know, ethnic cleansing stuff, every single bit of it, if we just pretend that all of that exists in a vacuum that we're not in, just the sheer thing of not seeing from a PR point of view how bad this will be, I just find it absolutely astonishing. And I, I didn't mean to go on about it for this long, but fuck it. And... The problem is with things like the thing John Mann said, saying assisting a brutal regime, and a few people saying, oh, uh, you are pro-genocide because you're doing this. Because you get some idiots going that far the other way, you get people going so far in the opposite direction that you just end up with some stupid stuff. Like, I've seen so many people having a go at MPs saying, you know, well, what's it got to do with you? This is our football club. When they're like the, you know, shadow minister for sport... Or an MP for the areas in Leeds. 
Well, all that leads, all, all leads fans. All leads fans or anything. And the the one that even annoyed me more than that, and it might be the dumbest argument I've ever heard anyone make in a way. There were people saying to other Leeds fans, well, you barely, you didn't even know about this conflict before this got announced, so you can't be mad about it now. Which is, if you find out about something, that's when you know. <laughs> you can't know before you know. There's, there's no hipsterness in genocide. <laughs> I I was against ethnic cleansing before it was cool. Yeah, you know? like I mean, first of all, have you not have the, you not seen my wristbands? I mean, not everyone was, but there was loads of people acting like no one knew about this before this story. It's been in the news constantly for like best part of a year, and I saw like there was some people going, "Oh, look, you're all up on your high horse now." I bet you didn't even you don't even care before, but it really is just like saying, "Oh, I just found out." that this guy who lives down the street was touching these kids. But because I didn't know about it when it happened, I can't be ma- I can't not like him. It's so fucking stupid. <laughs> like the, all the whataboutery about it, you know, just what leads are going to this area where there's ethnic cleansing. It's horrible. Yeah, but what about Russia and Qatar? Yeah, that's bollocks too. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, just, you can only be against one. Pick yeah. one. Just because something else awful happened doesn't mean this isn't. Like, because, and I missed it at the time, I genuinely didn't know, because Leicester went to Myanmar after one league. I, yeah, I had no idea. Like, they didn't play two games like we have, and it hasn't, and it isn't advertised to a certain extent, but that was bollocks as well, and they shouldn't have done that. But there were people going, well, you, you're going to sit there and do this, and then you're going to watch the World Cup. And they're acting like, well, they don't understand why Leeds fans would be more annoyed at Leeds United doing this than at FIFA doing something. Everyone knows how corrupt FIFA is. Yeah, we've known for a while. <laughs> it just, uh, it's very rambling. Just like the other things, like massively high rates of malaria, it's really far. The Zika virus is out there, which, you know, they're all of the age where they'll probably, some of them already have kids. One of them's got a wife that's, about to have a kid quite soon. Uh, but, like, they're not going to go and want to bring that back with them when it can knacker pregnancies up. Yeah. Uh, the visiting advice is to go in January or February because once it starts getting to this time of the year, it's ridiculously hot and about 82% humidity. Great time to play football somewhere. Every single ex-pro they ask <laughs> says every single post-season trip is a bad idea because everyone's sick at sight of each other by end of a season. Uh, the club wouldn't allow the journalists to ask questions about the trip, so they know that they're full of shit if they're not ask- allowing people to ask questions. That's always the first sign of bollocks. So, and it's bad. It's bad as well when it's because the that press conference as well. It's not as if like it was even Radrazani there. You, it's, it's saying you cannot ask Paul Heckingbottom what he thinks of it you can't ask him what the players think of it I mean he did get asked a couple of things and he said everything he can he just said you know well it's his job so we'll have to go it might not be his job it might not be (laughs) 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 the lucky bastard so basically from from all those things I've gone through and I know that was rambly because it was just a bit all of it shop it wasn't like I had anything planned as such I had a couple of notes of things but they're all written quite roughly and not in order. As far as I can tell, it doesn't have any real benefits from a business perspective. 
from a football perspective, the club has, and Heckenbottom have admitted that the, this is not about the football and the football on it is inconsequential. And from a PR perspective, it's put leads in headlines with the words ethnic cleansing and in Twitter searches with genocide. So as far as I can tell, this is a fucking ridiculous decision. But Jack, how else are Adam Forshaw and Luke Ayling going to begin their road to recovery if we don't go there? I know, right? It's not, there's no pictures in Leeds. <laughs> I think that was one of the tweets in the initial statement I saw. When it actually named those two. I'm sure Luke Ayling was there going, oh yeah, thanks for dropping me into this. Yeah, thanks. I, I definitely wanted to be... I want it to be named in this. I don't know how I'd ever get back to fitness without going to fucking Burma. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, what? I, let's yeah, let's not have any pretenses as to why we're going there. Like, especially when you say, "Ah, oh, it's going to help two of our players get back to fitness." They're going to go on a holiday. Yeah, Leave like, them alone. Like, just, why they don't just say, like, if it's that they have to do this, even if he just said, "Look." It's really good for Acer and Eleven Sports, so I'll make more money and I'll have more money to put into Leeds. If he just came out and said it, I'd still vehemently disagree, but I could at least see the logic. I just, I cannot get my head around it. They, they really should cancel this. Like, all the Leeds-based them, not all of them, but a decent number of the Leeds-based MPs wrote a letter and I saw people going, well, where were you when Leicester went? And Phil here just replied with, what, the Leeds MPs? Yeah, I... I, I don't know. There's, there really isn't a whole lot else to say. You've, you've covered it pretty well. Yeah, no, um, I'm, a, I'm, I'm really, really disappointed in, in him for this. I just... It's not something that I want the name of Leeds United associated with. It's not like there can't be some good things come out of it. They, I'm sure there can be like the, co- the coaching sessions that they're going to run for kids while they're there. I'm sure they'll go down great. And that is a good thing. But I just don't think this is our horse to die on. Horse to die on. Hill to die on would be the better way to phrase that, being an actual phrase. And the the one thing that I've read that do, was when people were saying, oh, you know, this has at least raised a lot of awareness for it, which it has. But do you know what would raise even more awareness? If we now cancelled it. If we cancelled it and said, look, we thought this was a good idea, but having looked into everything that's going on with that regime, we cannot go to that country while this is going on because it got compared to uh, apartheid South Africa what was one of the main things that they did to South Africa to try and instigate change in that country they did a sporting boycott and refused to have anything to do with them if that's the way to do it it's not good there's loads of things that need to do and none of it's going to happen quickly but I just think going there is a really bad idea I have come up with a, a solution, though, where we've cancelled Tob, still give them something that can, uh, you know, as, as, a, as a generous donation to opening relations, shall we say. So I'm just looking at their flag now. It's, you know, yellow, green, and red uh, horizontal stripes and a white star in the middle of it. I just thought if you take that out and put in the torso of a male doing the lead salute, I think that would look good. It it may well do. Actually, I don't know who did it, but there is a version of that badge knocking around on Twitter with the Myanmar colours. That <laughs> <laughs> just says Myanmar whites, and I don't know who did it, otherwise I'd give them credit, but it was funny. Yeah, um, uh. 
basically because I've got all ranty, I got thirsty and I've drunk through my beer. So we will be back very soon after I've got a beer. <laughs> Right, well, I've gone and got a beer. <laughs> Please calm down. I've calmed down a bit about the bollocks that was happening. Uh, and I guess we should go on to something that can make us really happy. Just to, you know, counterbalance the annoyance and everything. Pablo Hernandez has signed a new two-year contract at Leeds United. Get in! <laughs> He's actually staying around. Now I- we'll sell him now. just so we can can get a fee for it yeah it sounded Uh, like there was a lot of clubs interested but he's decided to stay him staying in a way makes me think more about um next season and gives me a bit more hope because i don't think for him it was about money so i'm hoping that the reason he stayed is because he's been given some form of a decent number of assurances about him having a real go I really hope so. I think he deserves it. He's he stood out head and shoulders second half of this season. And especially when I think all three of us agreed at the start of the season that he, he would be more of a peripheral figure this year. We'll come into some of the more free-flowing games at home. But uh, he has just looked absolute quality amongst a sea of dross. Um, and I'm, I'm so happy with signing because clearly he still has something to offer at this level. He scored some great goals. He technically is probably one of the best players in the league at this point still. In terms of technique, he's got a bit. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, I, th- I think you could discount if you take out a lot of the players Wolves have had this year because they shouldn't have been in this division. Um yeah, you know, I think I think the reason Hernandez is in the championship is because he is not quick enough for the Premier League anymore. Not that, you know, he was never the fastest, but I think he has adapted very well to this level in the two years he's been here now. And I honestly don't know where we would have been without him these last couple of months, or pretty much since Saez got suspended. Well, the thing is, because of how bad we've been, we'd probably not be that far away from where we are. Well, true. I think, would, you, would we have won those three games without Hernandez? Uh, oof, there's the question. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad. I mean, because we, I, I'm guessing you, I think you retweeted it actually, that that quote, the form table over 21 games, but we're still worse than Sunderland. Yeah, we are like properly bottom now for this, this oh, side of the are year. We, are we like the second or third worst team in the UK? Of a half a season, uh, yeah, I believe so. Because clearly, you know, breaking up the worst. Yeah, definitely. Their four point season. Uh, but it's not in the notes. I'm going to mention it now because it just jumped into my head. Did you see the thing a few hours ago? Uh, from next season, clubs are probably not go- are not going to have to produce a program anymore. That's interesting. Because there's so much more that's digital now that they're just dropping in sales. I mean, would you miss them? Uh, to be honest, the only time I've ever taken a program in the last few years is whenever, whenever I've been in, like the Bremner Suite or somewhere like. I've never, I've not bought a program for years. I'd like to find them at away grounds because you know, mostly away grounds. I've only ever been to once, 
So it was quite nice having a program from Yeovil and places like that. But I guess what is it? I don't know if to put it back to three or four pounds, but I pretty much the the time I used to love reading the program was when Bates was in charge. I loved reading his program notes. They were fantastic. Was it the reading equivalent of hate fucking a girl? Um, <laughs> I can't say I've ever done it, so I, I cannot attest to that. Uh, <laughs> It gets but, you off, but you know that it's bad. <laughs> I want to read this to get angry at this dickhead. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's how I imagine I'd be if I read the Daily Mail. <laughs> <laughs> They're so racist, why did I buy this? <laughs> yeah, um, Victor Orta turned down that Deportivo job that we were on about last podcast. Would would you have rather he went? Ultimately, yes, like... I'd, I have come to appreciate over the last couple of weeks some of the players we've brought in to the under-18s and the under-23s, and you look at the way they've played, which has been great. Um, but ultimately, his job is to build the the first team and make them competitive. And the fact that you look at the position where we are now, and clearly Christiansen's target at the start of the season was the playoffs and you look at the squad that we have now that just isn't capable of that. Um, and I go back to the summer where we lost two key players, you know, our first choice central defender and first choice striker, and in no way replace them with anywhere near a similar quality. And, and that's on him. And I, I'm not happy with, how Heckingbottom's been working with the squad and clearly he's not had much effect since he came in. But at the same time, both him and Christensen can kind of can kind of take a look and say, listen, it wasn't us that brought those players in. Yeah, the, the Heckingbottom stuff's weird because it's like, it's like if a builder was there going, well, I don't have the right tools. And you're like, well, you do, but you're also sticking them up your ass. <laughs> So even if you did have the right tools, I'm really not convinced that you'd know what to do with them. <laughs> oh, what an odd way to come home. <laughs> That's not how you... What? Why is the spanner... Oh, get out. Get out. Yeah. Worst part is it's adjustable. So he puts it on the widest <laughs> set. <laughs> And it's it's not it's not it's not even a sexual thing. It's just that he's so betrayed by the way it's gone at Leeds that he just needs to feel something. <laughs> I do apologise oh. for that. <laughs> oh, oh uh, I tell you what. Two minutes ago, I didn't think that's where that was going. No. Oh. Uh, there's, there's a man, there's a man turning to his wife, going, "This is why we get the Lithuanians in to do the bathroom." <laughs> English builders do shit like this. <laughs> now, um, there was one thing that uh, I think Phil, it, yeah, it was, it was Phil here wrote an article saying that it might not be getting rid of all of it's the right thing to do, but maybe reining him in a little bit. Now, I'm not really sure what the right thing to do is, but seeing as he has done so well with the under 18s and under 23s, like, still give him a say in some of the first team transfers, but maybe limit the amount of control he has over first team transfers 
you know, still use his network, still talk to him, but maybe give the man, just redress the balance between how much say he has and how much say the manager has. I, I mean, I've always thought that if you're going to go with the director of football policy, then probably the best way to go about transfers is to put together a team of either five or seven people to decide on a transfer. And uh, although I think you, that kind of sounds ridiculous. If you've got say a first team coach, director of football, chief scout, head coach there, and you've got a number of different people who, you know, you've got two or three people who you'd have some data analysis guys and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and because I think, whether if you have just one person making those decisions right that's fine that's one person's opinion and yes a scout may have assisted in some way but they're ultimately not going to make the decision and i think and I, I remember again going back to reading um why england lose and reading about leon's transfer system i believe they had like a five-person panel which was i think you'd have like and one of the ex-pros that's still involved in the in the club would be involved in it you'd have the head coach you'd have the director of football chief scout and maybe the owner as well who would discuss a transfer target and then between them they would essentially vote on whether it was a good idea to sign that player because uh, i mean you look at someone like ekuban who what's ekuban 22 23 i think he's 20 it might even be 24 now you know we're looking at um someone like him coming in oh he's 24 so realistically he's probably not going to develop develop a whole lot more um and you look at the teams he's played for and and the leagues he's been playing and there was, there was nothing in there to suggest that he was going to come in and do well in the championship was it albania he was playing in last season yeah he was on loan in albania you know that's that's been his most prolific spell at a club that is seven I'm just looking here on wikipedia so take it for what it is it's 17 goals in 34 games but at the same time there's not too many times you you think right we need a striker someone who's going to settle into the championship really well who's been playing well in the albanian leagues yeah you might think who's played well in the czech republic who's played well in switzerland who those like second tier leagues yeah but saying who's played well in albania is a bit of a stretch uh i just it just jumped into my head so i wanted to uh bring it up uh at, <laughs> at ephemeral joy on the Twitter, he said this, it was a couple of days ago, but it just jumped into my head. It was after the, and we'll mention it now, Leeds being linked with Kyle Bartley in like a serious link. Yeah. Have you seen the news about that today? I I have, yes. Yeah, but Phil here, oh, Leeds are looking at signing Kyle Bartley. Twitter goes mental. Today, Bartley, knee ligaments again. Yeah, second time in a season. Yeah, I'll, I'll mention the thing I saw on Twitter that it made me laugh and also just gave you that 1% of, actually, no, that might happen. He just said, Pablo and Bartley were signed by Swansea when Loudrup was boss. Pablo has had assurances about next season and says Loudrup is the best coach he's ever played for. Loudrup has no ethical or moral compass with dubious foreign <laughs> regimes. <laughs> Are you thinking what I'm thinking? You know, because he had all those weird deals and stuff, didn't he, that he got in a bit of shit for with agents. Yeah. And, I mean, don't go, I know that that's said in a funny way and stuff, but when he said it, I went, you know what, I could see that. 
But yeah, uh, we'll come. We'll talk about the Bartley thing now. Uh, obviously, we all want him back because he was brilliant for us, and we know that he suits playing with Janssen and there's all these things in the world. But is there a risk that he's not the same player, even though he's only 26? That's two knee ligament injuries in one season, and the first one was a really bad one. They don't yet know how bad this second one is. Is it risking us signing another croc, and he ain't going to come on like a one-year deal for 500 grand? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I would still want him to come in, I think. like At least just give him a physical... Or something when he's in a position to... Obviously, I don't know how long that'd be, but... Well, as we know, Leeds have got a great record of signing players who don't get injured. Yeah. <laughs> Look, looks perfectly fine. Uh, should we give him a physical? <sighs> Look at those abs on him, though. It'd be fine. <laughs> and, I mean, I I would be willing to take a chance. Um, but that is also in, you know, without really having an idea of anyone else who could come in that would play alongside uh would play alongside Janssen and and lead that defense because that's what Janssen's missing he's I think he's a very he needs an organizer next to him doesn't he yes I think he has passion in spades I think he has enthusiasm in spades but an ability as well he's got loads of ability yeah he just needs someone to direct him a little bit more um are we saying that Paddy O'Connor is not that man not yet. <laughs> Although, to be fair, I do look at the way Pordy O'Connor has, has played this season. I looked at Jans, I do think they, I bet those two would get on like a house on fire. I can't imagine them just going out into Leeds and fighting people just because they wanted to. Yeah. Uh, speaking of good young under-23 players, we haven't actually mentioned the results of them, which we normally do. Uh, since we last pod- did a podcast, under-23s have only played once, I think. They won 4-0 away at Bristol City, which I think was the last game of the season. Yeah, I believe it was. Yeah, uh, I didn't see the game. I've seen the goals. Everyone who saw all of it said we played brilliant. Uh, own goal, a really good finish from Sam Dolby, raced through and just dinked it off at keep when he out coming out. And two goals for Tyler Denton. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that because I saw he was there. I think they even said he's back in the lineup today, which was kind of expected with how uh, how much Pierce has been playing in the first team. But yeah, I don't, I don't know if they pushed him further up towards the end of the game because I think they both came in like the last 10 minutes. Yeah, they did. The, both goals had a really good assist, both of them from uh, Mad Gomez, who was kind of a yeah. bit of a forgotten man because he was one of the closest ones to first-team football at the start of the season. Yeah, he was in he was in a few of the pre-season friendlies. He's still Played listed in on Cup the first well. team. Yeah, he's, he's listed on the first-team page on the website as well. And I, Again, it's very strange. He's been out injured hasn't he I think which is a bit of a shame because again like I was saying earlier about Alioski it would have been quite nice to have someone even like him to give him a game I'd certainly have him over Sacco I'm done with Hadi Sacco by the way as much as I like Hadi Sacco the man he does seem like you maybe think Hadi Sacco could be a fullback no (laughs) (laughs) you know like you know like when we were like Maybe A.G. White's not a left back. Maybe he's an attacking midfielder. Maybe he's the number 10 we've been crying out for. <laughs> Should we just, just put Sacco of centre-back or something and say, oh, oh, that's where he plays, is it? You know, like, how did Sacco ended up, you know, getting that cap? In about three yeah. years, it'll be weird that there's a Mali international playing for Gainsborough Trinity. <laughs> 
Oh dear. Yeah. I, I I can definitely see him dropping down to League One or League Two. I, no, I think he won't actually drop that low because he's got so much pace that he will be able to do something if he if he finds the right level. He will be effective just because of how quick he is. And I think it's a shame again because I think he's about the same age as as Ekuban, where you just think ah, if, if we had another couple of years where we we could send him out on loan and get him some League One football, and at least then where he can play regularly in a team. And I, I think. He, there'd be a chance you could do something with him, but I, th- I think it's a bit late now. Yeah. And uh, next season, we could end up with a team full of Portuguese players or something, for all we know, because uh, the EFL have said there is no issue with George Mendes and his connections with Wolves. So, as far as they're concerned, the door's open for anyone to try it. And It'd be interesting. I just have no faith in Leeds doing it well. Yeah, that's my problem with it. I've said it a few times. It's like, you know when... Uh, I mean, Leicester did eventually get done for it, but you know, they had that dodgy sponsorship deal on the stadium where it was worth like eight million more than it should be. Yeah. Because they were sponsored by owners. PSG are being done for a similar thing, aren't they, I think? But theirs is a hundred million rather than eight. Uh, (laughs) And all I thought was, I wish Leeds were clever enough to do that. Mm. (laughs) So we'll we'll see if I can do it. Uh, Before we move on to last game of the season, it's time for uh, click news. Yes, it's back. Uh, against Heracles at the weekend, Matthias Click created 11 chances in the match, the most in the Eredivisie since Christian Eriksen for Ajax in November 2012. I don't even know what the full-time score was. I just saw it on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I'm pretty much reading that as, as Matthias Click is as good as Christian Eriksen. Yeah, I believe that's what it says. That's uh, pretty much how I'm reading that. So yeah, hopefully uh, we need to, we need some quality central midfielders next season, and I'm not opposed to. That's true. We ain't got any. We ain't got any sentiments. In fairness, I, I'm I'm happy to at least give them a go because the more I watch Phillips and Vieira play together, I, I'm just getting close to crying. I, I just I don't want to see it anymore. Yeah, it's weird. It's it, we're not gonna we're not on the whole like. Because you, you read a lot of people slagging Phillips and they take it way too far. Phillips is a very... He's a perfectly good player at this level. But I don't think it... it the problem is that when Phillips has a bad game, he has an absolute stinker. What? But Click, I think next season, at least through pre-season, will get a chance to impress. So I'm kind of hoping he does because he's clearly got plenty of ability. Again, we said before, it's it's not the Eredivisie, it's not a Mugs division, it's not the Albanian leagues... Sorry, the Albanian league, if you're listening to this, but, you, you know, clearly not up to the same standard. But, he, you know, he's come into a, a fairly, you know, probably an upper mid-table team. And he's creating chances. I think he's got a couple of goals. He's got a few assists. It's it's not as if he's just turning up there and has not played since February. Like I've just checked Utrecht, which is, that's where he went, isn't he? Yeah. They're fifth. All right, there you go. Yep, solid. So basically, like, PSV, Ajax, Alkmaar are good this year, and Feyenoord are the top four. And then there's a 12-point yeah. gap, and then they're best of the rest. By the way, I, did, I, I didn't realise FC20 were four points adrift at the bottom of the league. It's all gone wrong there. I'll get Stief in. Yeah, they need Stief back. Oh, no, get Joey Barton in. Oh, he's already taken. Taking the job at Fleetwood. 
But yeah, like you know, the Eredivisie is still a competitive league in Europe, and I, I'd probably say that the majority of teams in there are probably better than most of the Championship teams. The top certainly ones the are. top teams are. FC Twenty, maybe not. No. Um. So yeah, like out of the players that have gone away, it's not like he's gone to Burton. You know, he's gone to a decent team and. Is doing well in a decent league, so he definitely deserves a chance. On behalf of Luke Murphy, may I tell you to go fuck yourself? <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, it's true. Right, uh, there's not much for news, and for the. I was la- gonna say, oh, go on, man. I was going to say, I don't know if you've seen the stuff about um, Idiguchi the last couple of days. Oh, yeah, I forgot about see. all that. Uh, it sounds like he might still get in his squad. Because they've bizarrely changed their manager well it's not even bizarrely by the sounds of it they've got really high hopes for Idaguchi because of everything I read about him and everything I see makes me think this might be a Leonessa thing and the cultural and just the culture ain't suiting him everything you read makes him sound like he should be fucking brilliant yeah he did like he dropped him and then immediately got sacked and they brought in a guy who worked with him at Gamba Osaka like that seems weird to me to be like, no, he should be in. The- <laughs> <laughs> and I feel so. What I can't remember what the man. I know it was something Playboy that he he did an interview in. Yeah, it was something like that. One, I think it was Weekly Playboy. I think yeah. it was called. Because <laughs> because that's where you go to get out the sporting news. Um, but yeah, and I know he said he. I think he'd had a stressful time, which I can understand if you move to an English club who instantly move you on to Spain. You know, so you've moved, so you've left home, and the place you're moving to isn't even the place you're going to be living for what you believe is going to be the next three, four years at least. Um, I can see why that'd be difficult. I think he's. I think Phil Hay had said he's not played a game since February for them. Yeah, he's not been getting in. I know he won in. I think they played Avi yesterday or the day before the one-two-one. Which I think yeah, might be enough to keep him up. But he also, in that interview, he said, my goal is not just the World Cup. The most important thing is to play abroad until I retire. Yeah, and, which is interesting. And I can fully understand why, you know, it, it's not as if, you know, the top Japanese players would be thinking, yep, stay over here, make a, a decent career out of it. Like, no, you want to move over to Europe, bigger challenge, make more money. Like, it's fairly you know fairly obvious but i'm glad that's his attitude and yeah. he's so uh, i would love i'd love to get a look at look at him in, at least in pre-season yeah, pre-season see. next year will be interesting to see and if we're going to loan him out again for the love of god like do it in england yeah do it to someone decent yeah fuck Geisley. it fuck it calling it now <laughs> young player at year next year uh, that is not my official prediction i will watch him in pre-season first <laughs> will that not be toby nye well will it do <laughs> Now, uh, I haven't seen what's happening with that, by the way, because I've seen everywhere people saying Pablo Hernandez, who is going to win player of the year. Have they withdrawn that and me not noticed? I haven't seen anything, but the fact he signed a new contract makes me think Toby and I might finish second. Yeah. Well, we'll see. <laughs> uh, uh, right, last game of the season, QPR at home, half 12 kickoff on Sunday. They're 15th, which is 56 points in 45 games. If we lose and Chef, if we lose to QPR and Chef Wednesday don't win, we finish fifteenth, <sighs> which is as always with Leeds United for magic number. 
Honestly, normally I go for all the squad and stuff. I couldn't be bothered checking. <laughs> <laughs> From oh, yeah, memory, like Bidwell and Jack Robinson are decent, both options at left back. Uh, Massimo Longo is all right, but he's not going to play again this season because they want to rest him up for World Cup because they've no to play for. Matt Smith's their top scorer with 11. That's the one thing I checked. Good friend, Matt Smith. Uh, the main thing for us is, what do you reckon the team will be and who do you think will get a go? I, I think he'll probably put out what he thinks is his strongest team. Do you? I don't think he can afford... I, in his head, I don't think he can afford to play the youngsters. I think he knows he's under a lot of pressure. And I, I think if we went out and put out a young team and got hammered, I think he'd be gone. Mm. You see, it is moving towards that. He might be gone anyway, but... Yeah. Like, I remember about four or five weeks ago, I was talking about I thought it might be a load of them for this last game, but now it's getting like that, I can see it. I think, uh, I mean, it'll be big on fouling goal. I do I do think there's a chance he gives Hassanna a go at right-back, because we ain't got any right-backs fit. Yeah. So I think he might get a go. One of Dolby or Edmondson, in my opinion, preferably Dolby, better be involved. Otherwise, I'm going to be really fucking annoyed. Even if it's on no, bench, they've got to be involved. We cannot have three players on... Because Roof will start, I would think. No, mate. Groton Ekuban up front, 4-4-2. Four, four, <laughs> I just... It's the dream. Like, I mean, the under-23 season is done. There is literally no reason not to now. Dolby should be involved. Jack Clark should definitely be involved. I'd like to see Oriol Ray involved as well. I mean, for me, I, I, if it was just me, ideally, I would... I would quite happily go, let's put three or four of the under-23s in the starting lineup amongst the first team, put another three or four on the bench, and realistically at this point, it, it doesn't matter. Heckingbottom has done a shit job regardless of what happens tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. I don't see what difference it will make having Oriol Ray in ahead of Ronaldo Vieira. I wouldn't even mind seeing like one of the under 18s that they really rate getting a goal. We didn't mention that, did we? They uh, they they won, the, yeah, yeah. They won, won the, the professional league development league north. They beat Bolton one nil away. Kunta Manushkov scoring, but they lost their playoff semi final one nil against Charlton. But it's, they've had a brilliant season, so they've played them. Like I'd like to see Temanushkov in just because in my head he's a world beater. I don't really have any evidence, <laughs> but oh, well, outside of well. He's done really well in the under-18s anyway. Yeah. Um, him and Edmondson together, it's strange that you get two two players that are scoring plenty of goals together like that. But, you know, between them, um, you look at how the under-23s have done. In recent weeks, they've been scoring goals for fun, those two teams. Um, the, there is probably, you could probably put together, a, you know, a starting 11 of players that season either I've been in the under-18s, under-23s that I'd like to see play. Um, well, I look at some of the players we have in the first team, I just think I'd, I'd happily put Romario Vieira in at centre-back ahead of Liam Cooper. Yeah, you say, I've, I think, obviously, pick up foul will be in goal. I'm going to take a shot that Hassana gets a chance. So I think it'll be Hassana, and then I think it will probably stick with Janssen and Cooper. Pierce. Two centre-mids, Forshaw will be back fit, so Forshaw and Vieira. And then I think he'll go Alioski, Hernandez, and Jack Clark on the left. And then, right. and then Roof up front. But I think he'll have Dolby on the bench. 
I think he'll have Ray on the bench. And then obviously there's O'Connor and stuff. So I, I do think he'll give a couple of them a go because he's got such a rollicking off everyone for taking Edmondson and not using him and for not giving him a chance. I think he'll give him a few because I also think QPR will do the same. Yeah, this is the absolute epitome of a, a nothing game. Yeah. Um, I, I'd like to say I'd love to see a few of the younger players get a go. I, I, I don't see it happening unless... I'd like to see Dolby start with Edmondson on bench. I do. I, from what I've seen of of Dolby, he's equipped himself very well against some some big players. He it look fairly strong. He looks really. He looks pretty quick as well. Yeah. Um, if nothing else, at least load the bench with the young players and, and give a couple of them a game. Because yeah. um, whether we're winning or losing in this game, it does not matter at all. No, uh, you know we're not. We're going to learn very little from this. No, the only way we might learn something is if one of these kids comes in and does well. Um, well, uh, Connie's uh, messaged me. He's gone 1-0 leads. All right. Okay, I'll go with that. Um, that sounds reasonable. Let's have a think. I, I, I don't know. Connie's probably, I think he's been the most optimistic of the three of us, hasn't he, in results these last few weeks? Yeah, lately. Um, I'll go 1-1. I think it's going to be a desperately boring game. 3-1 win, Dolby gets two. <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah, why not? Um, sounds good to me. I'd, I'd love it if it actually happened. I'm not going to be able to listen to this one live. Are you not going to? At 12.30 kickoff, I'll, I'll be struggling. Oh, yeah, good point. What's that? Is that half four? Yeah, I'm not waking up for that. Just keep drinking until that time, then you don't have to wake up for it. Uh That'd be great, actually. Just yeah, just drink alone. I'll just get a four pack. I'll tell you what. I went to a bar the other day that had Strongbow. I was well happy because Strongbow at home is shite, but Strongbow here is a bit is a bit sweeter. It's really nice. Oh, I didn't know that. Happy, yeah, happy to be drinking Strongbow from a can. I went to like the 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 least classy establishment you can imagine, but yeah, they had Strongbow, so I wasn't complaining. You went to the least classy establishment you can imagine. Yes. Your bedroom. Worse. <laughs> it's really bad. The guys I went out with, they uh, one of the guys said, uh, "What's the name of the bar?" It's the guy. It's the one with the guy in the wheelchair. And the other two lads went, "Oh yeah, I'd never been." So they just give me directions. I get there, walk in the door, and the first thing that goes through my head is, "Oh, that's the guy in the wheelchair." Huh? What a way to identify a bar. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, it has strong bosun, and that's how shit it is. I'll go. Well, in that case, I reckon that'll about do us. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it for episode 23 of the Mighty Whites podcast. Uh, we're at Mighty Whites Pod on Twitter. The podcast goes up on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. It does go up on YouTube. We've forgotten, I think, to put the last couple on, but we'll do it at some point. Most The vast majority of you don't listen through that, so the ones that do, we can only apologise. Well, you, we uh, can put them up, and if you want to reference how bad we've been the last couple of weeks, then have at it. Yeah. Uh, the stuff we like goes up on Through It All Together, which is at THRU, it's all LUFC, and throughitalltogether.sbnation.com. Uh, we will be back, I'm not sure exactly when, but at some point after the season to do our end of season episode where we'll go through 
the predictions league, including all those pre-season predictions and everything, and see who comes out on top. Uh, Get in Sunderland. Yeah, <laughs> we will. Uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. But uh, thanks very much for listening. I've been Jack. See ya. I've been Casey. I'll see you soon. Uh, thanks very much. Bye.